Hello and welcome to The Amateur Austenite. My name is Frances Duncan. I am an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. My very special guest with me today is my friend Shan. Hello everyone. And today we are talking about Chapter 3 of Persuasion by Jane Austen. In Chapter 3, Mr. Shepherd does some great manoeuvring and manages to convince Sir Walter that it's not a bad thing to have a naval tenant. And then what do you know? A naval tenant pops up. And there's some mystery as to how Anne knows so much about him. We start off with Mr. Shepherd talking about noble fortunes that can be made during the war. And Sir Walter hits it back and saying he'd be a very lucky man to live at Callanch Hall. The peace will be turning all our rich naval officers ashore. So there's going to be a, a surfeit of rich sailors wanting somewhere to live. I'm surprised after having lived on a ship and the close quarters that that is, that they'd want to have such a grand house. But I suppose because it's a thing that everybody did then, they had these grand houses that they'd just want to follow suit. Well, it also depended upon your rank as well as to what you might want to have. I think it's an interesting point. They certainly would want a place that they could keep to be ship-shape, as it were. They're used to having... Everything just so. Everything just so which makes them a good tenant, as, as uh, Mr. Shepherd goes on to say. The piece they're referring to is the after the Battle of Trafalgar and when Napoleon's being captured the first time and imprisoned in St. Elba. So that's, I think they eventually call that the little piece because obviously he escapes from there. But in the meantime, there is this piece on the sea. So, and so a lot of the naval ships will be coming back into dock anyway because they'll all be needing to be either refitted or decide they don't need them anymore or what have you. So there would have been this whole fleet, as it were, retired or semi-retired officers coming home. Thinking that the war's over. So this whole book is set right in that peacetime. The readers would know what comes at the end that, um, that they will have to go back to war. Apparently this book was actually, unlike some of her other books, it was actually written in a very short period of time, according to Wikipedia and other chat, and other reference sources, which I won't quote at the moment. It was written about two to three years. Austen knows a lot about the Navy because of her contacts with the Navy anyway, and her brother. Two mm. brothers, I think. Two brothers. Two brothers. So it's something that she was familiar with because she wrote to them regularly and they wrote regularly back, so... So Sir so Walter's not terribly fond of the Navy. The the whole we don't want to advertise comes up again. Yes. And Mr. Shepherd's like, consequence has its tax. Because you're so popular, everybody's going to want to know what's going on with you. That's right. And so any rumours getting abroad, which must be completed as a possibility. He really knows how to... Um, oh, he's so good at the sucking up. Sucking up. Yeah, he really does. And this the, chapter is a beautiful example of it. But not only that, the thing that I found about this chapter is that Mrs Clay figures quite a lot in reinforcing um, Sir Elliot's point of view, agreeing with Sir Elliot, uh, Sir Walter rather. They would look around them, no doubt, and bless their good fortune, said Mrs Clay, for Mrs Clay was present. They come as quite a team. They do come as quite a team. So one has to wonder whether Mr. Shepherd was, how aware was he of his daughter's machinations, you know, was was he 
as it were, encourage her to sort of throw herself in front of Sir Walter. Not that we've got any hints of that quite yet. Sir Walter is talking about restrictions (laughs) for his tenants, which is hilarious. He thinks he can just tell them what they can and can't do. Um, And Mr. Shepard eventually says they're established usages. He's very clever. (laughs) You can't just... um, you can't just tell them what they can and can't do. I'm very little disposed to grant a tenant of Kellich Hall any extraordinary favour, I assure you, be he a sailor or soldier. And then after a short pause, Mr Shepherd presumed to say... He gives it a bit of time. Yes. Depend upon me to take care that no tenant has more than his just rights. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go on to talk about the Navy... Well, and actually, this is where Anne spoke, speaks up. The Navy, I think, have done so much for her, at least an equal claim with any other set of men. And Mr. Shepard's like, yes, yes, you've got my point. I'm running with that. And then he backtracks immediately. Because of Sir Walter. Because of Sir Walter. I should be sorry to see any friend of mine belonging to it. A sailor grows older sooner than any <laughs> other man. <laughs> yes, and two points offensive to me. Oh, I love that. It's ridiculous. I have two two strong grounds for objection. Now, the first one I can think of as being understandable, quite valid, in a class... In a class society. In a class society. I I don't agree with it, but it, it, you know, and it grates. It does But it actually, you can understand it's like... What Sir Walter doesn't like is that people are able to raise up in the ranks. Of course they are. And he has to give way to Lord St. Ives, whose father... We all know to have been a country crew without bread to eat. I was to give place to Lord St. Ives. Mm. And a certain Admiral Baldwin. The most deplorable looking personages you can imagine. And then he goes on to say, It is a pity they are not knocked on the head at once before they reach Admiral Baldwin's age. Because Admiral Baldwin has been aged so much (laughs) by being at sea. I thought he was 60, but he's only 40. Oh, the things that he thinks are important... Rank He's an and awful appearance. man. He's yeah. an awful man. He is. Reminds me of a certain politician. And then, surprisingly, Mr. Shepard's foresight, which I wonder, did he plan this? Oh, but no, don't forget. Mrs. Clay strikes again. Nay, Sir Walter, cried Mrs. Clay. This is being severe indeed. Have a little mercy on poor men. We're not all born to be handsome. And then she goes on to talk about all the services which anyone apart from a gentleman has to perform, which will age them. There's a lot of those who are not obliged to follow any, who can live in any regular way, choosing their own hours, following their own pursuits and living on their own property. Which is exactly what she wants for herself. Not that we... No, we're making the assumption here, but it's they're quite pointed comments. And I think that's... I think at the time, that's what Austin was trying to... And that's why the book's so good, because there's a twist in the tale. So I think one could suggest that at this time, maybe Austin was trying to lead you in to make an assumption that Mrs. Clay was going to, you know, being quite a handsome young woman, now a widow, mm. was making a play. So Mr. Shepard's foresight mm. about talking up the Navy pays off. And Mr. Shepard observed Sir Walter's concerns could not be kept a secret. <laughs> Which is just ridiculous. Admiral Croft is interested in renting the place. And Anne pipes up and knows information about Admiral Croft. And then Mr. Shepard tells 
about Admiral Croft and all the good points. One of the most amusing was he sometimes took out a gun but never killed. He he will like that you have land where you have birds that you can kill, but don't worry, he's not going to kill all of your birds, which is just ridiculous. And I think your, your point also about Anne, she knows what he was, what his rank was. He was a rear admiral of the right and in the Trafalgar action. So she knows, it's quite obvious at this point that she must follow the naval the naval records, the naval mm. dispatches. Been in the East Indies. So I take for granted, observed Sir Walter, that his face is about as orange as the cuffs and the capes of my livery. So now we know that Sir Walter has orange livery. Yes. Um, we find out that Mrs. Clay's first name is Penelope, um, who is talking eagerly with Miss Elliot. So I think they are working as a team. I think father and daughter have got, okay, you convince her and I'll convince him. It's the same ploy that tenant that landlords have, not ploy, same desire that landlords have now around um, the ideal tenant is to be a married couple with no children, as it were, and definitely with a lady of the house who look after the place. You know? <laughs> Whether the furniture might not be in danger of suffering as much as where there was no lady, navy, lady and there were many children. The best preserver of furniture in the world. Mr. Shepherd hints that there was a gentleman at Monkford who was related to Admiral Croft, and he's trying to think of his name. And well, that was right. Her sister, Mrs. Croft's uh, brother, rather. Is Mr. Wentworth, who was the curate at Monkford. Yeah. And immediately that does not go down well with Sir Walter because he was only a curate. No, but the other thing I, that as I read this again... Anne says, Mr. Wentworth, yes, the curate. Now, at this point, we only know, at the end of the chapter, we still only know about the curate. We assume, because at the end of the chapter, Anne runs out of the room to get some fresh air, and she thinks that he could be walking here, and who he is is a mystery. But we Mm. assume, because she knows about Admiral Croft and she knows about Mr Wentworth, that it's Mr Wentworth who she's talking about. Yes, the curate. As Mr Shepherds perceived that this connection of the Croft did them no service with Sir Walter, he mentioned it no more, returning with all his zeal to dwell on the circumstances more indisputably in their favour. Their age, number and fortune. The high idea they had formed of Kellich Hall an extreme solicitude for the advantage of renting it, making it appear as if they ranked nothing beyond the happiness of being the tenants of Sir Walter Elliot. (laughs) An extraordinary taste, certainly, could they have been supposed in the secret of Sir Walter's estimate of the dues of a tenant. Yes, Mr Shepherd, actually, he's a wily, very wily man, very clever man, and he's had to to keep that business. He's ducking and diving and toadying. But with purpose, because it's obviously, as a man of business, it's the only way he can get anything done. One can look upon it slightly contemptuously, but actually, in his role, what other option? He couldn't afford to alienate his... And he is a social superior, Sir Walter, so yes. he has to kind of suck up to him. Yeah, and he couldn't afford to alienate him, and he also recognises that... Or his fortune also relies on Sir Walter's. And I imagine he sucks up quite as much to Admiral Croft and sees all the right things to him as well. 
it's kind of a shame we get quite a lot of Mr. Shepard in these first couple of chapters and we get to know him and sort of appreciate his character and then he just disappears. A lot of context setting in this first few chapters with not a lot of dialogue. You know, most of the dialogue actually is from Mr. Shepard. In this chapter, you've even got Mrs. Clay making statements, so we'd hardly call it dialogue. And then very little of of who we think the main characters are. It's not really until the next chapter that the main character is revealed as Anne because she's been in the background for the last three chapters and then mm. it comes to her perspective. Mm. She keeps cropping up in this chapter and you go, how did she know that? How mm. did she know that? Mm. And then she runs out of the room and you follow her for the first time. Anne, who had been a most attentive listener to the whole, left the room to seek comfort of the cool air for her flushed cheeks. So obviously it has significance to her. It was always going to have significance to her for leaving the hall, but more so for knowing who might be walking amongst it while she's away. And that is our summary of Chapter 3 of Persuasion by Jane Austen. My name is Frances Duncan. You can find me at francisduncanwrites.com and on Twitter at Francis underscore Duncan. Thank you for listening and we wish you happy reading. Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me. But if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of the Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa New Zealand's logo. uh, Some Jane Austen merch. And some Pride and Prejudice Heavily Pride focused merch too. It's on Redbubble and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!